So we're the second day into the annual Rohatsu Sashin, and the theme is, uh, what's the theme? Somebody. Action, gross, and subtle. Action, gross, and subtle, or karma, the fancy name, Sanskrit name for action. And what we're emphasizing, what I'm asking everyone to take a look at, is uh, is the, the contrast that what is what is a gross action, uh, the obvious one you think as uh, a you know taking a bath, getting a job, driving your car, making lunch, and then subtle action is generally speaking precedes you think about something then you do it, but then that whole area of uh, subtle is is what we're actually investigating as we do sitting meditation, sitting practice of meditation, to sit and hold very still, and then to watch the spontaneous actions or things that arise, thoughts that arise. And then the thought that arise, arises is actually has a powerfully uh, subtle or uh, nature to it, or it is, it is more like noumena rather than actual phenomena. It's when we do something with it that it starts to crystallize or harden into something that we either have to get rid of because we don't like that thought or that idea, or something we grasp onto and want more of because, oh, I really, really like thinking about this or that or thinking about my dream house or all of those things that we and you can get very creative with. And so I'm not against any of that. Uh, you could say that I'm not really against or for too much uh, other than uh, recommending that we uh, strengthen our awareness so we can see more clearly what is happening rather than operate out of causes and conditions that arise as other people's opinions, whatever, the politics of experience and other kinds of politics. And we tend to, sometimes it's safer or it appears safer to allow things to just happen around us without, uh, without doing too much, which means ignoring so just to use the, the standard formula in Buddhism is passion, aggression, ignorance. And the way I do that is uh, passion is grasping or clinging to or, or the more subtle forms are elaborating on it, uh, telling a story about it, making up things about it, interpreting it, blaming someone, blaming someone yourself. That's a very, it gets a little bit more uh, a little aggressive that way. But it hasn't really jumped to, totally into to aggression when the, when everything just leaves and you're just all kinds of energy going forth in the slings and arrows, as they say. So passion, aggression, and ignorance. So in those areas, what the ego mind, the self-centered mind tries to do is it tries to find the levers and buttons so it can reduce the difficulty and increase the pleasure or the success or the feeling of accomplishment, which are fancy words for uh, pleasure, uh, being happy. These are all relative, uh, the relative situation, uh, sentient beings, uh, just people in general as they live their life, confused, get very confused about the nature of, of realization. And to quote Dogen, or to paraphrase Dogen, and Buddhas, or awakened beings, are very clear about the nature of delusion. I'll say that again. Sentient beings are very confused about the nature of awakening. And those who are awake are very clear about the nature of delusion. So if you uh, yourself are on this path and if you're in this room, you're at least got a foot in the door, if nothing else, maybe everything is in here in your luggage and 
all of your case history and everything else. If you sit in front of this wall very long, then you find that your whole world joins you here so that you can slowly, or maybe speedily, go through everything, question everything, look at everything, look at everything that happens. Every thought that arises should be looked at, not accepted, not rejected, and not ignored. Those are the three. And so you could use those. You could you could use them. How, how do you use them as a, a meditator? How do you use them as one who has prior, prioritized uh, the awareness over what arises in the awareness? What arises in the awareness uh, is, is okay if there's just uh, some of it, not too much, not too tight, not too loose. But if there's very much of it, it starts to crystallize. And then if we get fearful in order to hide the fear, this is what people do. People who are really, really fearful uh, could be fearless because they're so clear about fear. Pardon the rhyme. Uh, they're so clear about it, but they but they don't shut down on it. The, those who shut down on it don't know they're afraid. If you said, "Well, you seem like you're afraid," they would go, "What?" No, the people who are who are hiding from their fear are fixating. And it's an interior kind of modality where someone fixates on ideas, concepts, beliefs. Belief is one of the most uh, difficult ones because people just, in general, just think that it's just fine to believe all kinds of things. And from this point of view, that is not fine. Belief will get, this is what happens as soon as you believe anything, you stop investigating that. As soon as you disbelieve anything, you stop investigating it. You, you, you have a conclusion. Why go any further? You have suddenly, it's just like, uh, well, let's just leave it at that. You, you, you stop investigating. As meditators, as students of the Buddha's Dharma, as I understand it, your job is to find out who you are. And if you find out who you are, to find out what everything else is and see what it fundamentally is. I can tell you conceptually what it is. And this is not coming out of something I read. It's out of something that is obvious to me right now, not separate. And the interesting thing about not separate is the separation is still completely obvious. In fact, and in fiction, the separation <coughs> is so strong that you don't have to make any decisions again because you're so clear about who you are. And you're so clear about how big of a dust mote you are in this universe and what direction you're moving in the sunlight, that you don't have to speculate on it based on hope and fear, based on right and wrong, based on success and failure, and the other of the eight worldly dharmas. But you see so clearly because everything you're receiving everything in its pristine state. It's called pure appearance, as she was recently named. Junshu, just, just a pure uh, manifestation with nothing extra. Just that, and when that happens, then it is seen that you that 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 pure appearance is not separate from anything. Complete clarity without any concept around it, other than the one that I'm uh, speaking about here. I'm happy to respond to questions at any time. Yes. Um, pure appearance or perception. <coughs> you talked about beliefs. It seems like beliefs distort perception. 
but, but if we're looking through them, we can't see the belief. So how can we see the belief? So to how can we see the beliefs? It, it seems to be necessary to, to not, not move too fast on it and just, just see the way it works and not see it as some kind of enemy that has to be shut down on or gotten rid of with some kind of, so that we're, so we promote ourselves into a person who doesn't believe anything. If you, mm. So when we're acting grossly, are we aware of the beliefs? Pro, uh, probably not. The people that I uh, function with as uh, not only as students, but people at Pace Hardware are, are completely submerged by their idea and their thoughts and their, their, uh, uh, opinions, opinions, and um, um, culture about what this is, and they operate within a, something that they believe is this and is a separated, and that they have they are have an identity that's very strong that succeeds and fails. But there's they're not aware that they're actually believing in that. There's no there's no even uh, if you want to take it uh, all the way into uh, phenomena, uh, even phenomena like uh, space and uh, let's take another very subtle phenomena time they don't exist in this in the way that we we credit them and we but we use those because we're so attached to this body mind because we actually have the illusion that we are someone who is traveling through this this real reality called time and it's uh uh, untrue. So to see through the sitting practice of meditation, through there are probably other ways of doing this. I don't know what they are. This is the only one I've studied for uh, a long time. Sit down, hold still, watch what moves. That's the way I teach it. And I taught it other ways, but the last 10, 15 years, that's the way I, I teach it. And if you do that, you will over time, and it's all contingent. Uh, upon the causes and conditions that are arising with your particular lifetime, uh, which goes back to other lifetimes, to have a way of uh, uh, showing that there are roots that are totally invisible for each person here, each person who's appearing, uh, observing. And so uh, what's important is, uh, is just look at it and wear it out. Look at it and look at it and look at it without, without pushing it away, because then it will re resurface just uh, so it's said don't go to war with anything just just witness just see the warfare see if you can see if there's any warfare see if you see if this is happening down here in your solar plexus sometimes uh, uh, sometimes people say uh, I had a gut feeling about that well gut feeling is an interesting uh, th thing but there's there's a whole lot of fear happening in the gut and if you can transfer that 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 awareness uh, out of the gut and into your heart, this might be a better place to operate from. If you're going to operate from intuition, what's commonly called intuition. Shoka. Um, what does intuition that comes from the heart look like? You don't know what it is, you don't know who it is, and there's no backup, there's no proof. And it is not about you. If it's about you, it's your gut. Solar plexus. 
different chakra. Meow. This is this is the this is the one that radiates. This one. This one's a radiator. This these are receivers. This is a receiver. Your butt is a receiver, even though it doesn't always operate that way. <laughs> the muladhar. The muladhar is the root chakra, and that's the one that goes down into the center of the earth. How can, we, how can we tell if it's about us? You can tell that if it's about you, if there's hope and fear involved. No, I'm saying the way you describe it, the way it sounds to me is just watch the spinning. Don't get dizzy. I mean, don't, don't fasten onto it where it's just, where it's kind of a, a, a tranquilizer for you. You know, but just flash on it, touch and go. Just, it's there. It's there. And then you see that, then you, maybe you touch on the fear. You don't reject the fear, but maybe you move to the spinning. Maybe you move to how your body feels. Maybe you move to your uh, diaphragm. Maybe you move to someone, some, some movement in the room. Maybe you flash on a couple different colors that are in the room. Use your sense consciousnesses to keep your body gro- uh, grounded so that you're, so that you're, you have some kind of a basis, some kind of a anchor for your uh, wisdom mind. Eventually, they, they, they aren't separate anymore. That's why it's been said, and I'm saying, if you see what this is, you don't ever have to meditate again. You'll never stop meditating. The boundary between meditation and post-meditation just drop away, and you find out what meditation actually is. Yes? What is it? What is, what is meditate a lot and find out. You want me to tell you? Okay. Uh, not separate. It's just this. Just this. Is it meditation and post-meditation, uh, the same thing. So the, the, this meditation sitting down and doing nothing is probably more comfortable because you're not doing anything. Unless you have arthritis, which is hard to sit still for any length of time without being in physical pain. Junchu, you have a question? Uh, earlier, you paraphrased Dogen, sentient beings are confused about awakening. Yeah. What is our confusion about awakening? Uh, we think there's someone uh, who can awaken, and we think there's someone who who can't awaken. We actually we buy into the duality of the world. Uh, the we buy into the Sanskrit word is dvaita, and advaita is non-duality. Duality, non. We actually believe the duality. And it shows up in uh, phenomena, you know, like I'm over here, you're over there. That's a pretty strong one. I'm a male, you're a female. I'm an uh, uh, old man, you're a young woman. I mean, there's all kinds of things that keep saying you're separate, you're separate, you're separate, especially the, the sight vision, because sep- the, of all the sights, of all the sense consciousnesses, the vision is the most separating. I mean, you're way over there. But if I close my eyes, like uh, a couple of uh, our members here, or Sangha, or uh, don't have a sight, but th- their other sense fields are pretty strong and they kind of uh, compensate for that. So I don't know what, I'm not saying uh, if you, um, um, I'm not saying if you were uh, blind that you would see things any more clearly, particularly. But that's, but the first uh, four 
are very intimate. You know, sound is very intimate, taste, touch, smell, hearing, even thinking is a very intimate kind of thing. Like I can't, I can't smell uh, what you smell uh, necessarily in the way you smell it. We can both smell incense, but if we, some people don't like incense. Some people are react, react to it. It shows you how there's so many divisions in this incredible lack of separation. More? Yes. Uh, we're back up uh, online. So Hakaran right. has a question. I'll straighten up. <laughs> Hakaran asks, what beliefs hide behind regrets? So to use the category of regret uh, as a kind of a blanket uh, situation is, I think it's very unique uh, because we can have we can have a regret about something that is that is sincere that helps us work with our life today. We can look at something that we say did a while ago or, or something that we maybe should have done but we didn't do. So uh, I think I think that's very uniquely um, personal. Uh, it's very difficult to respond to that. I, you know, Hakaran, I'd almost have to talk to you personally about how you're handling that. But I think there's something to uh, what you're saying, that there's some some kind of, uh, uh, you know, let me put it this way. The, the basic response I would have is the belief that's, uh, that is there is you believe you're separate from what you did. And you believe that, uh, you believe that in terms of, re of the regret that you actually are somehow culpable for something. And this is a, a very subtle uh, fanning of the flames of ego, self-centeredness. So it's a, uh, this is why in our tradition, when we receive Jukai uh, or become ordained, uh, we, 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 we avow or we, we say, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, but we don't really particularly uh, apologize. On the other hand, I'm not against that, I'm, but I think it should be situational. You've heard me mention uh, situ uh, situation ethics. Instead of following a rule, which is sometimes going to work fine, and then other times there's going to be time you, you can't, you have to lie to save someone. You have to help them. Uh, they'll get hurt if you don't lie about that. Another time you, you know, you need to uh, do something else. I'm not saying you have to. There's a time when you have to sexually abuse somebody. That's probably uh, going a little bit too far. But I mean, there are times when those things need to be observed rather than followed as orders. And so when we, when we talk about uh, looking back on things that we've done and we regret doing certain things, then all we're doing is we're acknowledging they were, you could say, unskillful actions where we were self-centered and, we, and we, uh, we went into motion and maybe hurt somebody or stepped on somebody's toes and we're not respectful of someone. Can't really take that back, but you can look back and say, I can see that I did that and I, and I acknowledge that I was, I was uh, unskillful in that area. So it's just bringing some awareness to it. But we also have to watch that we don't go too far into that and try to use that to shore up an ego who no longer will do such a thing because we're so enlightened now. We're so clear. I used to be bad, but oh, I'm just wonderful now. We might not come out and say that out loud because that would be too obviously vain. But it, it tends to rumble around there sometimes. Further questions? Yes. With the, with the saying, first thought, best thought, yes. or first, first thought, action, best thought, best action. Yes. Um, what is it about the first 
that is best? I think uh, you, you, when uh, Trungpa Rinpoche says, first thought, best thought, which is the title of his old book of poems, uh, he's, he's basically saying that, that in any situation, the very first thing to spring up is probably not separate from everything. It probably has a, a sense of purity to it that is already accessible for everyone all the time. It's just that your ego mind sometimes takes a little while to get in there and defend things and start operating out of fear and separation and gain and loss and everything. So first thought, best thought. This is why sometimes uh, we see children's artwork uh, that is so amazingly, just so wonderful. And as they get older, that kind of gets worse and worse because they start thinking about it more and more. Not all of them, some of them. And then, uh, you know, this just, this just we just look at this and we just do that and we just do that and we do that operating. But the adult, a full-grown adult, is not returning to childhood. They're just uh, they're just beginning to understand what uh, a mature, mature kind of innocence actually is, coming out of an awareness practice. More. It seems that it's yeah. so difficult for me to to see. Yes. The first. Yeah. Um, it gets buried so quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll help you. Okay. You ready? Yes. You sure? Yes. That's first thought right there. What was it? Say it, say it, say it, say it. Spit. Huh? Okay. Thank you. Thank you, my dear. I love you so much. Space. It's space. There isn't there isn't any object there. It's space. Speak out of that space. I, I say don't trust anything, but on the other hand, you have to give the benefit of the doubt to your own mind. Why would you give the benefit of the doubt to other ideas? You know, speak out of that space. Space space is what uh, uh, paralyzes you. And what you do is it in it is you alternate it. You're going to say, well, no, I think, well, no, no, but yeah, no, yeah, no, I'm, I think, well, I don't. <laughs> and I, of course, I'm, I'm mocking you. It's not like that. But there is an alternation that you have. The downside of the alternation is it's, uh, is it's it puts you in that kind of a seesaw where you, you can't really understand what, what you should do or what's actually happening and, make, and causes a confusion. But the upside of that is that that is more, uh, uh, is closer to the way uh, the enlightened uh, mind works. It sees all the alternatives all at once, but it doesn't. It is not threatened by having to choose. It doesn't have to choose. You follow me a little bit? So sit, keep practicing and practicing. Keep don't change. Don't be anybody else. Be genuine. Be. Nobody else is going to do it that way. Everyone in here can awaken, but they have to wait. You have to awaken to who you are. You have to be genuine. This is why I sometimes say you have to be genuine. Yes. What do you mean it doesn't have to choose? Choice. Cho everything is choiceless. But the ego mind thinks there, there's a right choice and a wrong choice. And this is what she gets hung up on is that between the right, she sees both sides of everything. And we all do. We all have some of that going on. She's an extreme case of it. <laughs> well, that's why she's such a great counselor. I mean, she has, people want to talk to her because she's so. And I'm not. It's not, not compliments. You know, I'm not complimenting you. I never compliment anybody. <laughs> I'm just. I'm just a description of you. 
I'm describing this is a, a counselor that you can go to and sit down and she will not interfere with you or meddle with your mind at all and she'll meet you where you're at. You do it every day. I don't even have to be there. Not a compliment. Well, maybe a little bit. <laughs> so all you have to do is just conti continue to do that. Just flood that with awareness. How do you do that? Practice. Stretch the awareness. Sit down. Practice, practice, practice. Do it. Do it as much as you can. Practice in your office over there when there's not a client there. Sit, sit there. Hold still. If you're, if you're hoping for an outcome, it's probably about some kind of... No, I'm saying the way you describe it, the way it sounds to me is just watch the spinning. Don't get dizzy. I mean, don't don't fasten onto it where it's just where it's kind of a, a a tranquilizer for you. You know, but just flash on it, touch and go. Just it's there, it's there. And then you see that. Then you maybe you touch on the fear. You don't reject the fear, but maybe you move to the spinning. Maybe you move to how your body feels. Maybe you move to your uh, diaphragm. Maybe you move to someone, some some movement in the room. Maybe you flash on a couple different colors that are in the room. Use your sense consciousnesses to keep your body gro uh, grounded, so that your so that your you have some kind of a basis, some kind of a anchor for your uh, wisdom mind. Eventually, they 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 aren't separate anymore. That's why it's been said, and I'm saying, if you see what this is. You don't ever have to meditate again. You'll never stop meditating. The boundary between meditation and post-meditation just drop away, and you find out what meditation actually is. Yes? What is that? What is, what is it? Meditate a lot and find out. You want me to tell you? Okay. Uh, not separate. It's just this. Just this. Meditation and post-meditation... Uh, the same thing. So th th this meditation sitting down and doing nothing is probably more comfortable because you're not doing anything. Unless you have arthritis, which is hard to sit still for any length of time without being in physical pain. Junchu, do you have a question? Uh, earlier you paraphrased Dogen, sentient beings are confused about awakening. Yeah. What is our confusion about awakening? Uh, we think there's someone uh, who can awaken, and we think there's someone who who can't awaken. We actually we buy into the duality of the world. Uh, the we buy into the Sanskrit word is dvaita, and advaita is non-duality. Duality, non -duality. We actually believe the duality, and it shows up in uh, phenomena. You know, like I'm over here, you're over there. That's a pretty strong one. I'm a male, you're a female. I'm uh, uh, old man, you're a young woman. I mean, there's all kinds of things that keep saying you're separate, you're separate, you're separate, especially the, the sight vision, because of all the sights, of all the sense consciousnesses, the vision is the most separating. I mean, you're way over there. But if I close my eyes, like uh, a couple of uh, our members here, or Sangha, are, uh, don't have a sight. But th their other sense fields are pretty strong, and they kind of uh, compensate for that. So I don't know what, I'm not saying if you, um, um, I'm not saying if you were blind that you would see things any more clearly, particularly. But that's, but the first four are very intimate. You know, sound is very intimate, taste, touch, smell, 
hearing, even thinking is a very intimate kind of thing. Like I can't, I can't smell uh, what you smell uh, necessarily in the way you smell it. We can both smell incense, but we, some people don't like incense. Some people are react, react to it. It shows you how there's so many divisions in this incredible lack of separation. More? Yes. Uh, we're back up uh, online. So Hakaran right. has a question. I'll straighten up. <laughs> Hakaran asks, what beliefs hide behind regrets? So to use the category of regret uh, as a kind of a blanket uh, situation is, I think it's very unique uh, because we can have we can have a regret about something that is that is sincere that helps us work with our life today. We can look at something that we say did a while ago or, or something that we maybe should have done but we didn't do. So uh, I think I think that's very uniquely um, personal. Uh, it's very difficult to respond to that. I, you know, Hakaran, I'd almost have to talk to you personally about how you're handling that. But I think there's something to uh, what you're saying, that there's some some kind of, uh, uh, you know, let me put it this way. The, the basic response I would have is the belief that's, uh, that is there is you believe you're separate from what you did. And you believe that, uh, you believe that in terms of, re of the regret that you actually are somehow culpable for something. And this is a, a very subtle uh, fanning of the flames of ego, self-centeredness. So it's a, uh, this is why in our tradition, when we receive Jukai uh, or become ordained, uh, we, 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 we avow or we, we say, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, but we don't really particularly uh, apologize. On the other hand, I'm not against that, I'm, but I think it should be situational. You've heard me mention uh, situ uh, situation ethics. Instead of following a rule, which is sometimes going to work fine, and then other times there's going to be time you, you can't, you have to lie to save someone. You have to help them. Uh, they'll get hurt if you don't lie about that. Another time you, you know, you need to uh, do something else. I'm just thinking you have to, there's a time when you have to sexually abuse somebody. That's probably uh, going a little bit too far. But I mean, there are times when those things need to be observed rather than followed as orders. And so when we, when we talk about uh, looking back on things that we've done and we regret doing certain things, then all we're doing is we're acknowledging they were, you could say, unskillful actions where we were self-centered and, we, and we, uh, we went into motion and maybe hurt somebody or stepped on somebody's toes and we're not respectful of someone. Can't really take that back, but you can look back and say, I can see that I did that and I, and I acknowledge that I was, I was uh, unskillful in that area. So it's just bringing some awareness to it. But we also have to watch that we don't go too far into that and try to use that to shore up an ego who no longer will do such a thing because we're so enlightened now. We're so clear. I used to be bad, but oh, I'm just wonderful now. We might not come out and say that out loud because that would be too obviously vain. But it, it tends to rumble around there sometimes. Further questions? Yes. With, with the saying, first thought, best thought, yes. or first, first thought, action, best thought, best action. Yes. Um, what is it about the first that is best? 
I think uh, you, you, when uh, Trungpa Rinpoche says, first thought, best thought, which is the title of his old book of poems, uh, he's, he's basically saying that, that in any situation, the very first thing to spring up is probably not separate from everything. It probably has a, a sense of purity to it that is already accessible for everyone all the time. It's just that your ego mind sometimes takes a little while to get in there and defend things and start operating out of fear and separation and gain and loss and everything. So first thought, best thought. This is why sometimes uh, we see children's artwork uh, that is so amazingly, just so wonderful. And as they get older, that kind of gets worse and worse because they start thinking about it more and more. Not all of them, some of them. And then, uh, you know, this just, this just we just look at this and we just do that and we just do that and we do that operating. But the adult, a full-grown adult, is not returning to childhood. They're just, uh, they're just beginning to understand what uh, a mature, mature kind of innocence actually is, coming out of an awareness practice. More. It seems that it's yeah. so difficult for me to to see. Yes. The first. Yeah. Um, it gets buried so quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I'll help you. Okay. You ready? Yes. You sure? Yes. That's first thought right there. What was it? Say it, say it, say it, say it. Spit. Huh? Okay. Thank you. Thank you, my dear. I love you so much. Space. It's space. There isn't there isn't any object there. It's space. Speak out of that space. I, I say don't trust anything, but on the other hand, you have to give the benefit of the doubt to your own mind. Why would you give the benefit of the doubt to other ideas? You know, speak out of that space. Space space is what uh, um, paralyzes you. And what you do is it in it is you alternate it. You go in and say, well, no, I think, well, but yeah, no, yeah, no, I'm, I think, well, I don't. <laughs> and I, of course, I'm, I'm mocking you. It's not like that. But there is an alternation that you have. The downside of the alternation is it's, uh, is it's it puts you in that kind of a seesaw where you, you can't really understand what, what you should do or what's actually happening and make and causes a confusion. But the upside of that is that that is more, uh, uh, is closer to the way uh, the enlightened uh, mind works. It sees all the alternatives all at once, but it doesn't. It is not threatened by having to choose. It doesn't have to choose. You follow me a little bit? So sit, keep practicing and practicing. Keep don't change. Don't be anybody else. Be genuine. Be. Nobody else is going to do it that way. Everyone in here can awaken, but they have to wait. You have to awaken to who you are. You have to be genuine. This is why I sometimes say you have to be genuine. Yes. What do you mean it doesn't have to choose? Choice. Cho everything is choiceless. But the ego mind thinks there, there's a right choice and a wrong choice. And this is what she gets hung up on is that between the right, she sees both sides of everything. And we all do. We all have some of that going on. She's an extreme case of it. <laughs> well, that's why she's such a great counselor. I mean, she has, people want to talk to her because she's so. And I'm not. It's not, not compliments. You know, I'm not complimenting you. I never compliment anybody. <laughs> I'm just. I'm just a description of you. I'm describing. This is a. 
a counselor that you can go to and sit down and she will not interfere with you or meddle with your mind at all and she'll meet you where you're at. You do it every day. I don't even have to be there. Not a compliment. Well, maybe a little bit. <laughs> so all you have to do is just conti continue to do that. Just flood that with awareness. How do you do that? Practice. Stretch the awareness. Sit down. Practice, practice, practice. Do it. Do it as much as you can. Practice in your office over there when there's not a client there. Sit, sit there, hold still, 